Rotane podcast. Hey, Gang Rotane. I wanted to tell you about another podcast, the MarTech podcast, hosted by Benjamin Shapiro, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I was a guest on this podcast, and he talks through marketing and stories around world-class marketers using technology to generate growth and achieve business and career success. Um, he's got a ton of stuff around data-driven marketing, blurring the lines between sales and marketing. I had one around customer success. So listen to the MarTech podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. For today, we've got G2 Matani, who is uh, an executive vice president of customer success at HubSpot. And uh, luckily today, G2 is coming to us from the... Uh, HubSpot offices up in Boston, which sounds like a lovely, lovely day up there. So G2, appreciate you being here with uh, Jay and I today. Definitely, Jeff. Super happy to be here and uh, engage with Jay and you. Uh, we'd like to start off with a couple of icebreaker questions. So um, I don't know if Jay's got any prepared. I'm gonna, I'll, give mm. him a minute to, I'll give him a minute to think of one, but I've got two that I like to ask. Um, first one being, um, I don't know if you're like Jay and I, but we typically uh, are making a Starbucks run at least couple times a day. So what is your go-to, what's your go-to Starbucks order uh, when you go to Starbucks or maybe you're from the, maybe you're from the Boston area, maybe it's a Dunkin' Donuts, but what's your go-to coffee order? Yeah. I mean, as you guys know, Dunkin' Donuts is like huge in New England, especially in the Boston area. Uh, I'm more of a Starbucks guy and my drink is a chai tea latte with oat milk. In fact, I just got my second run like, uh, <laughs> he's already ago. taking two runs <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll i'll mine is typically just like an iced coffee with uh, a little bit of almond milk you know but i'll let jay uh i think jay's always got a unique one and i like i, I don't think we've ever called this out on the podcast but jay what's your go-to starbucks order these days uh, i knew yeah i knew you're gonna put me on the spot my mine is a five shot venti americano with heavy cream it's just 100 percent octane that that's all i'm looking for five so. shots how many runs do you get yeah for a day on five <laughs> <shots>? <laughs> i mean well only only one of those but but i will i have been known to make multiple runs but not multiple of those so i like ellie's little emoji emoji she yeah. <laughs> <Pop funny>. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right my second second icebreaker is uh you know g2 if you were going to start a community of your own so maybe a hobby or a passion of yours if you were going to bring together you know people and something uh, that you like to do, what would it be around? What would your, what would you build a community around? You know, I'm just so passionate about like international expansion. I spent seven years in the road opening seven offices for HubSpot. Wow. I just think it's a topic that uh, can be really interesting for growth for a company. And it's also really complicated and tricky. So I think a community and sharing best practices is probably one that I'm thinking about. Uh, someday when I have time, Jeff, but yeah, that's probably one of my passions. That is, uh, that cool. that's a really unique one. Cause I haven't heard, I I've asked that question a lot. I haven't heard that one. Um, but now that you mentioned it too, right. There's so many, as you start expanding, learning different, um, cultures, practices, um, you know, language, certain things, probably, um, you know, if you can start passing that along among international leaders, um, and as you start expanding into different geographies is probably a big, a big thing that could be, could be, uh, shared. I think, you know, like one of the things that I would tell leaders is really think about like countries and where they are from a maturity standpoint, like are they developed versus emerging countries? And just don't take a language lightly. I think you can succeed by going to the Nordics and selling English. But the moment you decide you want to go to Germany and even more 
to the extreme with Japan. Uh, be ready to commit, like truly see it as like one of your top priorities as a leader if you want to succeed in some of these markets. Yeah. It's probably All a whole Jay. podcast right there, right there alone. <laughs> um, great. Jay, you got any icebreakers before we jump in? Um, you know what? Let's just jump in. All right. Cool. Um, all right. Well, G2, I know one of the angles um, that's been particularly interesting for our uh, community, right? We try and pull out a lot of topics from our community, some of the, the threads or the themes that we see. Um, and I think there's been this um, do- topic lately, especially around, you know, you've got a customer base. And so um, trying to figure out how to align um, kind of the, the motion of upsell, cross-sell, kind of going back into base, right? Trying to align that with customer success, whether customer success owns that motion or if it's a sales motion that's kind of coming in, but really just trying to figure out, okay, how do we um, make sure that we're making our customers successful, but then we're giving them the opportunities to um, expand or to, you know, deepen our partnership through other products that they might, might use. And so uh, I'm curious, you know, um, with this type of growth strategy, how have you seen that mix, you know, in certain companies as they start to, to look and mature, right? How do they, how do you balance the resources for new business and acquiring um, a new customer versus going back into your current customers and trying to uh, make sure that they're, you know, you're maximizing value there? How, how do you how have you seen that kind of uh, that strategy that split start to happen? Yeah, you know we've uh, gone back and forth with this Jeff the last couple of years, and uh, where we've landed is we think about like there's a quarterback pre-sale and then there's a quarterback post-sale. In the pre-sale, you've got of course your account executive, your sales rep, and your post-sale, you've got your quarterback with your CSM or your customer success manager. And the way this has evolved over the last many years is in the, in the early days when we were a single hub, you know, your sales rep would essentially sell. There wasn't like much of like a cross-sell or upsell motion. But as we kept adding more and more hubs and as our customer success org matured, your quarterback with your CSM is responsible for customer success and also with what we call revenue retention. So five years ago, we would have like your CSM uh, incentivized straight on customer dollar retention. Now our CSMs are incentivized on both customer dollar retention and revenue retention. Our CSMs with revenue retention, which is all about like your upside you get from your install base, they'll of course work with our customer base, make sure they're helping them solve for today and also for the future. But it's part of like that future conversation about, you know, thinking about like future goals and how do we help them get there. There will be opportunities whereby the customer might need to explore one of our other hubs. So what our CSMs will end up doing is they'll generate what we call an SQL, uh, a sales qualified lead. And uh, that will get passed over to the sales team. And the sales team will take that qualified lead from our CSMs and do the demo and take it to the finish line. Now, a couple of reasons why we do it this way. One is, you know, we want our CSMs at the end of the day to be the trusted advisors and not try and dabble customer success and also trying to sell new products. So we'll help them think about the future. We'll help them think about like, what is their journey with the next 18 to 24 months and can a product in our platform help them get there? And when it's clear, you know, they can actually solve some of their pains with one of our hubs, We'll pass it over to the sales rep. That's a big reason where we have separated uh, 
reps own new and install base, CSMs own customer success, but work you know, in a coordinated fashion to make sure we're passing a qualified leads to the sales team. G2, can I ask about the, the like, what, what does the org look like? Do, do you have sales? Because I noticed in your background, you've, you've run sales teams, you've run customer success teams, you've been a managing director of these countries that you've helped launch. So what is the, what is the purview of the EVP of CS at HubSpot? So with CS, uh, Jay, you know, we've got what I call like four pillars within HubSpot CS org. You've got your pillar, which is your customer success managers that we were just chatting about, your CSMs and our CSMs are organized by what I would call like one to many teams where they're organized more like a pool. So our low to medium dollar customers will be able to access a pool of CSMs. And then we have like one to few CSMs that are more on our medium to high spend customers. And, you know, it's fundamentally ratio based whereby low spend gets access to a pool, high spend gets access to a dedicated CSM. Right. A second pillar is what we call like, you know, your traditional professional services where our pro services teams will help our customers get onboarded to the HubSpot platform. And they'll provide some outcome-based services whereby a customer has a clear uh, outcome they're trying to get to. And our pro services teams will work with them on uh, you know, getting to that outcome. But if that outcome is something that requires them with ongoing services or ongoing engagement, we'll pass them over to a partner because we want to you know, lead from uh, a partner standpoint. So our partners are sort of like where you know, we want to see like the bulk of our long-term services go to. And we help our customers with onboarding and any very specific outcome-based services. The third pillar is what we call support. Uh, you know, we got to follow the Sun model whereby we have support teams now, probably no longer in an office. They're geographically distributed everywhere in the world. And we provide our customers with uh, support over, of course, chat, email, and phone. And there's a fourth pillar that I actually formed uh, middle of last year, whereby I saw our customers, whether they're working with the CSM, pro services or support, they needed deeper technical expertise, you know, like a post-sale solution architect, or they needed someone to help them build out their services roadmap. So rather than each of my three pillars trying to duplicate those resources, yeah. I pulled out those specialists and I created this horizontal pillar called integrated customer experience. So this Ooh. ICX layer has these deeper specialists who are getting pulled in by the three pillars as and when needed. The other upside I got from this fourth pillar is uh, customer journey mapping. So this ICX team is responsible for that whole journey from you know, wholesale to delighting them and expanding them. So anytime I see an opportunity to streamline an engagement, or get rid of some friction that might be coming up in the customer experience, I'll go to the ICX team and tell them, hey, I'm observing this. So what are you observing where maybe there's some friction or there's an opportunity to increase cross-sell with the sales team? So they'll work with their peer and sales. And between those two groups, they're able to think about that customer experience from end to end. So four pillars is within uh, HubSpot CSorg. It's about 1,300 HubSpotters globally within CS. Wow. So that, that integrated CX, by the way, great acronym ICX. It just sounds like, sounds perfect, <laughs> which is a criteria of a great team clearly, but the, they, they see everything across the three different pillars 
the other three pillars. And so that made them an ideal candidate, I guess, for looking across the customer journey. Is that how you sort of came up with that second piece of owning the journey map as well? That's exactly it. And, you know, like they'll see what a customer is saying in terms of like their success calls. Uh, Maybe that CSM will pass it over to uh, a services person who might work with them on an outcome-based service. Uh, they'll call into support and they'll have, you know, similar questions. So as you can see, like those questions are being asked in different pillars, but we wanted to zoom out and think about it from a unified standpoint so that all pillars are, you know, complementing each other. Uh, we're capturing information in one single document within our CRM. And the ICX team can make sure those handoffs and that engagement is always value add to a customer. Yeah. Well, one of the questions we get all the time, or not we get, but we see it in the Gangway Retain community. You see it on LinkedIn. People want to know. And, you know, we have people that listen to this podcast that are, they're working in a 50 person company right now. We have other people that are working in SAP and Oracle, like really big shops. And so one of the questions that we always get is how do you know when to, when to start specializing roles? And when do, when do you take what you're seeing happen across all your teams and you pull them out? So just philosophically, as a leader, as a, as a professional manager, like how do you think about like, what was the trigger for you in creating that team last year? Yeah, it's a great question, Jay. And, you know, my, my philosophy or principle is around, there's only so much a rep, a CSM can actually absorb from a mm-hmm. product standpoint. And if our goal, which is our goal is to always solve for the customer, we want to make sure we're giving them advice that sort of like separates the uh, the needs from the wants. And you want to bring deeper expertise, deeper capabilities to that engagement. And we just got to a point whereby we knew, you know, going from one hub to two hubs, okay, maybe yeah. the CSM can continue like mastering the product. Mm. Going from two hubs to five hubs you know, you're starting to become really like a generalist. Maybe you're good on the business acumen side. Right. But you're just not great on the depth with Prada. And you're going to see some leading indicators. You know, you look at it from a a customer NPS standpoint. You look at it from a a revenue retention standpoint. If those indicators are telling you customers are not delighted and they're not expanding to more products, that's a pretty good indicator to you that your engagement is getting a little bit more spread out, like a bit more generalized, as opposed to helping them think about like what's around the corner and how do our products help them grow the business. So that was one of our indicators last year when I saw the CSM just simply like, you know, they're just humanly not going to be able to provide deep tactical capabilities on five hubs. And we were like, all right, we need to get an overlay type of role, like a specialist, and that's when we formed the solution architect role within ICX. And that solution architect now is available to sort of like our one to few and our strategic customers. And they Got get it. pulled in by our CSMs. Got it. So, so the ICX team is really more product aligned and they're pulled in on an as needed basis that's by right. the people who, are, who own the outcomes with the customer, which is the CSM. That so, is correct. That is correct. And cool. uh, okay. You know, we're segmented by, uh, you know, spend like low, medium, high, really high spend. And uh, typically they map to like our additions, you know, your starter pro enterprise. 
Right. And as we think about customer experience, you know, on your starter tier, you want to try and create that heavy digital experience. Uh, whereas your medium and high spend, that's when you pull in your deep capabilities from your essays to be able to engage with your customers. I'm curious, as you mentioned earlier too, that, um, you know, you're, you want the CSMs to identify some of these opportunities, um, kick over an SQL, kind of run them through that process. Um, how, how have you created some of the stage gates there, right? For a CSM to know, you know, hey, this is the right time or this is the right opportunity to kick over. How do you make sure you're kind of, um, you know, the quality of that lead is actually where it needs to be. Are there any kind of metrics or flow through or like pipeline that you are looking at that kind of says, hey, yeah, the, you know, we are passing over kind of good quality leads and this is actually generating and turning into um, revenue at the end of the day? Yeah, it's a great question, Jeff. So the way we measure uh, those SQLs from CSMs to the sales org is uh, we look at what we call submission rate. Uh, you know, how many SQLs are being generated by the CSR. We look at work rate, and then we look at uh, an SLA in terms of the turnaround time to work these SQLs, and of course, your close rate. I'd say those are like your four big uh, numbers we look at, submission, uh, the work rate, and SLA of that work rate, and then your close rate. Uh, understandably, and not probably too surprising, the SQLs we generate from our customer base uh, is our best performing oh, yeah. QLs. You know, they're on your install base and uh, the sales team loves them. Uh, so yeah, that's how we measure them. And you know, like they'll differ geography and segment wise, but broadly, those are the measurements. Now, one I'll just add to, even before you submit your uh, SQLs, you know, like you'll want to look at leading indicators of uh, health of your customers. So if you're a CSM, you're looking at your health score. Like, are they in the yellow or green? Like if they're in the yellow, then maybe something's going on with uh, activation and usage. You're probably not gonna try and focus on creating SQLs. You're gonna focus on like getting them back into the green. And if they're in the green, we at HubSpot look at what we call primary colors. And you know, all our hubs have like five primary colors. And the primary colors are automation, content, data, reporting, messaging. Uh, so all our features in one way or the other are grouped into those five primary colors. So the CSM, you know, we measure what is the uh, usage of those primary colors. A customer who's closer to like four or five primary colors is a pretty good leading indicator that they're seeing high usage, high success. That's when you want to think about like, all right, like, what are they trying to do next? What's around the corner for their business? And that's when you start thinking about SQLs and expansion opportunities. I like that, especially that it ties together. Like, it seems like you can tie that together multi-product, right? Those, those primary colors, um, it's a concept, right? That can, that can um, create the vernacular and the motion that you need to with the, the customer success teams, but it also bridges the product lines. That's exactly right. And you know, when we see anything dropping from a primary color standpoint, it gives us focus from a CSM standpoint, like which of those primary colors do we need to double click into and help the customer start using it, start seeing value because they're highly correlated to, uh, you know, renewal rate and expansion. How about renewals? Are those sitting with the CSMs today? Are they accountable for your renewals? Do you have a renewal team that supports them or what is the, just curious about the way that operationally works because you must do you must do thousands of renewals every year. Well, probably every month. 
more like every month. Uh, yeah. The, the renewal team, which we call uh, CM or contract management, Jay sits within that first pillar, our success okay. pillar. Yeah. Because you want those, you know, interactions between your CSM and your CMs to be really well coordinated. Yeah. Uh, and typically what we do is, you know, 90 to 120 days before a renewal, uh, the CMs get involved. They'll do, uh, you know, a call with the CSM to make sure we're clear about like what success is the customer saying? What are their needs? What else should we be keeping in mind as we go into that renewal cycle? Hey, Gengar Team. Customer expectations are at an all-time high. In fact, in a recent survey, 50% of customers said they would purchase more from companies with better customer service. With this increase in customer demand for personalized service, most businesses and CRM platforms can't keep up. HubSpot's Service Hub is authentic, connected, and more importantly, easy to use. Featuring customer portals, SLA tracking, and custom surveys, HubSpot Service Hub empowers your teams to deliver customer-first experiences that deliver empathy at scale. Put your customer first with an easy, connected platform that delivers authentic service. Learn more about HubSpot's Service Hub at hubspot.com slash products slash service. Yeah. G2, this is amazing. I mean, your org is huge. You've got, I mean, clearly you're operating at scale. Like, I'm curious about going a little deeper with you. Like, what's the hardest part of your job in all this on the day-to-day? I think, you know, it's in some ways, like we've got four pillars who are coexisting and each pillar, you know, has its own set of KPIs and you really want to get uh, tight with uh, what are your leading indicators for success in each pillar? Because if you don't get really tight, you could end up with hundreds of KPIs that you have to monitor across four pillars. So that's the first one, Jay, is getting really... Uh, focused on what matters from a customer success standpoint and how do you use leading indicators to uh, make sure customers are seeing success and your teams are focused in the right places. The other is, you know, at our scale, you're going to have handoffs, right? Like from Mm -hmm. your CSM to your pro services to your support org. And I've accepted that handoffs are not necessarily a bad thing as long as each handoff is actually adding value for the customer. Mm, And, you know, this is where like, we want to be careful every time we introduce something into that customer experience, we go back to the journey map, try and think about like, is it, you know, adding value to the customer or is it adding one more handoff? Uh, If it's one more handoff, then what's the, value of that handoff to solve for the customer and help them see better outcomes. So that's the second one that, uh, you know, I think a lot about. Uh, The third one I would say is, you know, as you think about your segmentation lines, you know, as I mentioned, we think about segmentation lines in terms of like dollar spend, you know, the bottom off of the stack is sort of like your uh, low dollar, no human, very technology driven. And each year, you know, we adjust our segmentation line so that we can continue giving our higher dollar customers more of the human calories. Yep. But we have to do it in a thoughtful manner because your medium and your low spend customers still need a world-class customer experience. And to make that successful, you've got to get ahead of your technology investments, you know, your digital first investments. 
how do you make sure you know you've got the right uh, community you've got the right uh, help resources you've got your right self-help in your chat bot things that you know the good thing about that is like when you get really great over there you can move it up to the other segmentation that's right lines, and that just starts benefiting from your technology investments but that's just one of those things where we have to balance whereby you know at a company that is growing up you know, whatever, 1.5 billion plus uh, 35% year over year to be able to make those technology investments and also keep up with that pace and velocity of customer acquisition month over month. You're going to have to try and straddle both in a smart way uh, so that you're investing to get leverage, but you're also not able to like totally slow down on your human investments because they're absolutely needed to drive success. Do you, do you have an ops team that sits within that integrated CX group? And that who that, is that where the one to many digital is driven out of, or is it bigger than that? Marketing, other teams involved? Yeah, it's bigger than that. So last year we had ops teams. Uh, well, more like two years ago, we had an ops team that was dedicated to CS. Mm-hmm. But in the last, uh, whatever, 15 months, we took all our ops teams and we have moved them to a single ops team, which you guys have probably heard of revenue operations. Yep. yep. And uh, RevOps in combination with uh, our marketing team in partnership with my leadership and me are thinking about like, how do you create like a world-class digital experience from pre-sale to post-sale? And within RevOps, there's a team that uh, we call a go-to-market uh, strategy and systems that is a connector between our go-to-market teams and our product organization. Because if you want to drive like incredible uh, digital first experiences, let's say in-app onboarding, your product org needs to work with your revenue ops teams and your CS orgs to think about like, how do you increase and improve uh, in-app onboarding? How do you get the right nudges in the right places and direct that engagement to the right resources to activate them, drive up usage, drive up renewal. So uh, it's a uh, it's a partnership between uh, product RevOps and CS. That that is a huge point, Jeff. Sorry, I keep talking. The, the huge point, and we often talk about this and hear it a lot. That that you know, great customer outcomes, great customer success really begins and ends with a great product, right? And a product that's easier, easy to onboard. A lot of teams we see are adding customer success. They're adding additional implementation, headcount, services, um, because the product is hard to implement. Right? It wasn't designed to be implemented. And so, I don't know if you've got, you know, you you've been at HubSpot for for years, right? I'm sure you've got war stories of like how how the product has come along. But like, it, talk to us about the 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 psyche of the the product team who builds these products from the ground up to be adopted by tens of thousands of people, not one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to the question. It's a good question. There's a lot to it. Maybe I'll try and share a few points, uh, Jay and Jeff, and you can tell me where you want me to double click into. Let's say, you know, at the end of the day, like it's about uh, the choices you want to make, which is all about strategy. And, The choice we made when we have always been like, we're going to solve for the customer is to make sure our, make sure our org design supports uh, solve for the customer. 
Mm. So on the product side, what we ended up doing is for each of our products, we created general managers, GMs. And those GMs work really closely with uh, the go-to-market teams to understand like what are the needs of uh, our customers and how do we make sure those needs are translating into our product roadmap. Similarly, within the product org, we have uh, UX researchers who are working with uh, you know, frontline reps, joining calls, speaking with customers dozens of times each week and truly trying to understand like, how are they using the product? What are still gaps or what are their long-term needs and how do we bring that back to the product? That's a big one. One of the big ones is like, how do you organize your product org so that they are attached to the customer experience and spend a bunch of time in the front lines with your go-to-market teams? Mm. The second one I would say, which was actually a, a needle mover for us was when uh, we formed this team a couple of years ago that we call uh, the boys of the customer team. And uh, the voice of the customer team uh, runs this monthly uh, call, it's a couple of hours where they will bring in customers into these multi-hour sessions with our executive team, which is across all functions. And you know we have like customer advisory boards, customer councils across different segments. And they'll spend a few hours with us and uh, they'll give us a bunch of feedback. What's working, what's not? Uh, what are like things where we can do better? Just not from a product standpoint, but also from a CS standpoint. So that uh, boys of the customer team has been really a, a needle mover for us. And they also have like a subgroup within that team that we call customer measurement. And the customer measurement team does a bunch with uh, customer NPS, product NPS, and they're creating this whole complete uh, unified picture for the product org in terms of like what's working for our customers, where are still gaps. And the product org will actually use all those insights as part of like creating their annual product roadmap. That's the second big one. Uh, I'd say the third big one is really at the end of the day, just thinking through, uh, you know, where do we want to get to from a business standpoint? And uh, our not star, at least for CS, is revenue retention. And as you guys know, that's about like, you got to hold on to your customers and make sure they're successful so they can expand. And with that being our North star metric, you know, we're all constantly challenging ourselves to think about like, you know, are customers getting that world-class, uh, great disruptive experience? Are they getting outcomes? And, you know, outcomes can be measured in so many ways. Like, are they closing more deals? Right. Is their deal velocity going up, uh, down? Are they able to speed up their deals? Uh, are their customers, not like our customers, but our customers' customers delighted with their experience? Yeah. So, you know, we're measuring all those important elements to tell us, like, you know, is product truly solving for the customer at the end of the day? The um, A couple of points that you called out that are... Uh, are interesting, right? And certain that we're we're starting to dabble in or see ourselves as well. Um, we're starting a series similar to your voice of customer program where we're bringing in a customer and kind of getting an unfiltered view. And it's actually the entire company is invited to that call. Um, and so, you know, it's 30 to 45 minutes, um, hopefully relatively loosely scripted, right? There's a couple of questions that they might know about are coming, but largely, hey, just come here. And the idea is just trying to bring that, that customer closer to 
the depths of the organization, right? The engineers who don't get a chance to go out there, the um, the support reps maybe that are are um, unfortunately you know too often dealing with yeah. challenges and problems and not hearing the great things that are happening. And so um, that's a small kind of a, a, a smaller version of something that it sounds like you all are doing, especially with that executive team and some of those um, those cohorts. Another that we've seen extremely successful, and uh, I'm curious if you all have something similar too, is um, we actually just started inviting our customers to get on a call um, in groups with one another. And we don't we are essentially like a facilitator, but we don't really even talk that much. We just let them talk to one another, put them into breakout rooms, um, really try and kind of bring them or rally them around each other in a challenge that they're trying to go through, something that they're trying to solve. Um, and they talk about that, right? It's them talking to each other rather than us trying to talk to them. Um, and so that's something that we've just seen um, work out extremely well too, a little bit more community or one-to-many driven, like you were saying um, earlier. Yeah, I love that, Jeff. Uh, I don't think we do that as yet, but I really love the idea because in some ways uh, it takes away any pressure like HubSpot asking the question that sort of like gives them a chance to get to know each other. And uh, it's a bit of like... Uh, almost like a cohort that you have of like customers coming together and sharing feedback. Uh, no, I love that idea a lot. And by the way, I do also love that you're getting a, like a voice of the customer team going. Uh, it's just so important that, you know, when your head's down and you're like selling or servicing or cranking code out, like just pausing and thinking about like the impact your work is happening is having on customers that on its own is like highly motivating and helps, you know, individuals at a company appreciate the impact they're having to their customers' lives. Yeah. I, re- I read an article just over the weekend that um, it was basically, it was a, it was a formal study that was done. I can't remember the, the, um, the name of the organization that did it, but I've connected with the guy who wrote it. And basically what they did was they took, um, they did a study with restaurants and they they set up four scenarios, one where neither the customer or the cooks could see each other one where the cooks could see the patrons one where the patrons could see the Mm -hmm. cooks and then one where they both could see each other and the 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 scenario that actually performed the best was actually the one where they could both see each other but when the cooks could see the customer it 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 increased satisfaction with the meals by like 10 percent, and that wasn't the customer's perception because they couldn't see the cooks in that scenario. So the cool thing about that is by like, for think about an engineer behind the scenes or a finance person who's helping to you know, process you know, renewals or uh, anybody that works one layer removed from the customer. If you can find a way to show them the customer, it actually will improve their output and their level of care for the customer experience in a way that's measurable and impactful to the customer not just perception, which I thought was cool. So we can share that yeah, article that. In, the, in the notes, but I, I, I just found that so interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, Jay. And uh, I'd imagine it's just simply like, you know, in the case of the, uh, the patrons and the chef, just being able to see their customers probably unconsciously or even consciously showed up in maybe the way they were cooking or Right. The ingredients and that showed up in, you know, a better meal or a tastier meal. And that showed up in the plus 10 points that you were referring to. Uh, I just wonder, you know, at what, at what scale does that get really hard to do? Yeah. You know, that's a good restaurant yeah. Yeah. Uh, or a busy kitchen similar, you know, at HubSpot scale, 
you know, one of the things we do is, of course, we do this uh, advisory board, we do the uh, measurements, but trying to get it to like every person in the front line, like gets hotter and hotter, you know, we'll get it onto the wiki, we share a ton on the wiki, but it's one of those things whereby you just have to keep pushing for it. Because ultimately uh, in this market, like there's just a lot of competition out there and it's not even so much about like often what you sell, but how you sell, how you service, how you support them that makes like a huge difference on the reward. The other, the other thing that um, we're exploring ourselves right now, we're hearing a lot about in our community as well is, is um, you know, people talk about digital customer success, like you said, right, investing in technology. But I think the thing that is not talked about as often right alongside of that is in order to do scaled customer success well, you need to have thoughtful content. You actually need to be thinking ahead about content that is going to um, drive the outcomes that you want, but also different mediums, different channels, right? We have video, we have audio, we have written, you've got power PDFs, you have eBooks, you have all these things that can be happening. And um, really, you know, getting kind of, like you said, investing in the technology is one stand, is, is one point, right? Hey, let's make sure we've got the right data. We can segment customers in the right way. We can automate where we need to, but you also need the layer of content that says, hey, we can actually deliver against this. Um, and not only we can, you know, deliver outcomes, but we can also bring that customer closer and make, make them feel a connection to the brand, right? They can feel um, closer to uh, HubSpot or HireLogic. Um, and I think that's just largely one that's untalked about. Um, and we're seeing um, a lot of conversations happen, um, especially in our community. There's, there's people who are asking, right? Who should be this content manager? Is it somebody that lives in marketing? Is it somebody that lives in the customer team or the ops team? Um, what's their skill set look like? Because it's not necessarily a traditional kind of customer success manager role. And so I'm curious, how how, all, how do you all think about um, delivery or content? You know, as it stands to kind of that uh, digital customer success journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have it, uh, Jeff, sitting within our customer marketing org, and uh, you know, the content is, of course, created over there with. Uh, input given from the CS teams, from our support teams, from services, in terms of like, what are the needs of our customers? And then we have a team that is like the automation team that is responsible for taking that content and putting it into the right automation systems uh, with the workflows and sequences. Uh, and you're right, like, you know, with teams who are trying to create this digital first experience, you really want to get the process right and get the content right before you go and get too crazy on the system side. And this is where, you know, you've got this partnership between CS, marketing, uh, sales, all collaborating with each other to make sure we've got the right content and also the content being distributed at the right time. One recent example is, uh, you know, as I shared with you guys, like we've got segmentation by spend, uh, on the low spend, some of these customers are, you know, getting onboarded and activated on their own. Right. Uh, right. But they also saying, hey, I want this piece of content to help me get to this level of usage. Now, support can, you know, like, of course, solve it one by one, but they've been, you know, obviously like taking notes and closing tickets and that intelligence has fed into our customer marketing team. So customer marketing has created all that content and now fed it to our product team. So those assets now are actually made available right within the products. Mm. 
you know, when they're trying to like get to that piece of the product that requires this more advanced piece of content, it's right over there in app and they don't even need to call into, uh, into support. But you get the idea is sort of like, you need content, you need some insights, you need to get that process right. And then you can start like actually automating it within that customer experience. It sort of gets to your point that you made about like the customer experience and all the pieces fitting together. That is the product, right? It's, it's not actually differentiated from the software itself at all. It all hangs together. And it's not lost on us, by the way, that HubSpot actually invented the the content (laughs) model (laughs) to drive, to drive inbound. Right. I mean, that's, you're like the original, the, the OGs of, of content here. So, and like still to this day, some of the best content we see even on customer success and other things. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's a world-class team. And, uh, you know, I think obviously, like, as you mentioned, Jay, like we've, uh, we've been all about inbound marketing. Uh, it's usually not about like the quantity of content. Like what we got plenty of that. I think it's really like, how do you get super sharp with like the right indicators and get the content to them exactly at the right time? And, you know, how do you make those investments, uh, both content and systems wise, so that you can over time get growth, not through headcount, but you have this nonlinear growth yeah. uh, where your returns are far outpacing your investments. Uh, if I, you know, was starting a org, in the early days, and I was thinking about CS, you know, I would be investing at least six to seven dollars on technology and content, and maybe three or four dollars on uh, if I had 10 bucks, I would put six or seven <laughs> on technology and content. I would put three on humans. Uh, yeah. Just because it's a much more scalable solution long term. Uh, yeah, that's the way I would think about it. And, you know, we're, we're, that we're across. The, yeah. Yeah, we're there now, but it took a lot of work for us to be able to find those uh, those balance shifts between investments and humans to help us like scale. Yeah, that no, totally makes sense. I'm curious how, how, just from a pure market standpoint, how what what changes are you seeing in your customers and their behavior and your customers' customers relative to your solutions, the inbound marketing, the lead generation components? Are you seeing? the market shift at all there relative to the solutions you provide? The big one for us, and, you know, we share this in our, in our earnings and also uh, publicly is we've always been about like, we want to be the front office for a business. And we're clearly seeing someone start with marketing, but quickly add the other hubs. Mm-hmm. And the visibility of data in a single play, so your teams are coordinated, they're aligned, shows up in uh, in their success. And it also shows up when, for example, when I look at uh, our customers who are using uh, our CRM and our service hub so that their sales teams and their CSMs are all in one platform, they're having you know better deal velocity, better close rates, uh, they're getting better QLs from their customer base. And uh, sometimes it's almost like 2X, like 107% increase when your sales and CS teams uh, are on the same platform in terms of like your close rate. Wow. So that's the big one is just simply the shift we're seeing whereby they don't want to try and like wire multiple 
solutions together, it just gets harder and harder mm-hmm. to get like true insights. Having it all coordinated in one platform is uh, is a big shift. Uh, the other one would be around as you especially go go up market. Uh, our customers are getting really comfortable with like uh, the idea of you know services beyond just marketing. You got to like think about like the services you need, you know, to help your customers when it comes to like support or the services you might need to help them with like uh, uh, expansion. It's more than just demand. You got to think about like services end to end from selling, servicing, marketing, and you know that whole renewal process. This has been really good, G2. I uh, have one question as we start wrapping up here, which is, um, what is what is like the single most impactful, uh, if it's a report or if it's a an email or if it's an article that you read, but like what's something that you feel like um, that has been ex- extremely impactful for you over the last couple of weeks? What's something that just comes to mind as you start thinking about that that's been impactful for you? The big one for me is uh, a report that, helps me measure uh, the value our customers are getting in each handoff. So as a customer goes from CSM to pro services or to support, as I mentioned, like you're going to have handoffs. I want to measure, are they actually being delighted in each of those engagements? If they're not, then that's a sign for me. I need to go back and rethink something in the customer journey. Is that like a CSAT? kind of scoring or is it some other indicator? It's some other indicator whereby, yeah, it's, you know, like we're logging, uh, uh, CSAT is one, but we're logging like, you know, inputs from our individual CS members on that engagement. Okay. So we're able to measure, okay, like based on those engagements, eventually what I want to see is greater value per handoff leads to better expansion and better revenue retention. Got it. That's cool. Very cool. I like it. Awesome. Uh, G2, this has been really helpful, you know, talking through a little bit of the, the sales and customer success, how, how kind of the organizations and alignment are set up at HubSpot, talk through um, some scaled customer success, you know, talk through a little bit about some of the challenges that you see in, uh, in your role um, as a, an EVP of customer success at HubSpot. Uh, so appreciate all the insights, but where, if people are looking for more about um, you or HubSpot, where's the, the best, play for, best place for them to go? Connect with me on uh, LinkedIn or on Twitter. Uh, happy to uh, engage with the, uh, you know, with the community on your side, uh, Jay and Jeff. And, uh, you know, there are questions that, you know, they like to run by me or get my two cents. I'm happy to share uh, directly on your community website. That's awesome. That's perfect. We'll do that. Thanks, man. And um, we'll make sure and link your your LinkedIn and Twitter here in the uh, in the show notes so people can easily find those as well. But uh, appreciate the discussion today and, and looking forward to uh, engaging with you more in the community, G2. Sounds great, Jeff and Jen. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity to share. Hopefully some of this was useful. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being on. It's great. Awesome. Thanks, both. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. 
Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.